good morning. <laughs> okay, seventh time always works, right? <clears throat> Hello, you lovely people. It just looks great to see everybody here in the choir loft full. My name is E.B. Hayes, and I'm pleased to be your liturgist this morning, and I'm so glad that you've joined us for worship today. And for those of you lovely people that are on Facebook, we're glad that you've joined us as well. And if you would, please leave a comment or um, like our service so that we know that you're with us. We love counting. We count lots of things. Some announcements. Tonight, we're going to be serving um, dinner at the Tulsa Day Center. Thanks to Donna Witt and others who have helped prepare a beautiful meal. Um, if you'd like to join us, please be, meet here at the church at 445. You can help transport food. Um, we'll leave the day center about 630 and come back here and then do a quick cleanup in the kitchen. We hope you'll be able to join us. Can you believe it's already time for Easter season? So we begin Lent this Wednesday and hope that you will join us for our Ash Wednesday service here in the church at 6.30. The service will be broadcast if you're not able to be with us, but it's always a very special, meaningful time if you can be here with us, Wednesday at 6.30. Now, how many of you are ready to do something different to help with an outreach effort of the church? Yeah! <laughs> and on March 17th, you have an opportunity from 11 to 6, we're going to be out front handing out water and just meeting people that are in the Cherry Street neighborhood for um, the St. Patrick's Day celebration. So if you would like and are able to do a two-hour session, if you'll let Pastor Emily know, she'll be keeping track of that. Again, it's March 17th, Friday, from 11 to 6. Kathy, do you have more announcements? Good morning, St. Paul's. It is truly a joy to be with you on this Sunday morning. As Evie mentioned, Wednesday we will begin um, the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday. Um, I know that Wednesday is usually a busy time for people, but I would really encourage you to come this year, uh, set aside some time. It's about a 45-minute service. Um, what I have realized is that so often we want to skip straight to Easter. Oh yeah, there's Lent, there's Ash Wednesday, ah, but we want to skip straight to Easter. Yesterday I saw Jesus Christ Superstar, and no, I won't break into song as much as I would like to. Um, I had seen it, well, I'm sorry, sad to say it's having its 50th anniversary. <laughs> I'm sure it was like on its 25th anniversary when I saw it, but I did see it a long time ago, and I had forgotten how it ended. Jesus Christ Superstar ends with the crucifixion. There's another scene where I believe that he was, Jesus was probably with Judas in heaven, but the crucifixion was where it left me. And I found myself angry. It's like, no, that's not the end of the story. Let's hurry up and get to Easter. But it was a good reminder to me for Lent that this is the time of preparing ourselves as we walk with Jesus to the cross. Um, it's a time for self-examination and to see what are those things that are holding us back. I'll be talking about that a little bit Wednesday night, but then you'll see that theme as we go through Lent. One of the things that I wanna say as we begin the season of Lent on Wednesday, we have already begun to see in our nation a rise of anti-Semitism 
It typically peaks its ugly head and rears its ugly head during Lent. Here's one thing that I want you to be very clear of, my friends. Jesus was not killed by the Jewish people. He was crucified by the Roman Empire that occupied Judea, and they saw Jesus as a threat to the order in Jerusalem. Agreeably, there were some religious leaders who were fearful of what that Jesus revolution would do to the power structure, but let's be clear, it was the empire that killed him. And so I ask that all of us make an intentional time to hold our Jewish, Jewish siblings in prayer during this time of increased violence to them. So before we go to God in prayer, let us take a deep breath and to remember that God is in this place and we are here. Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks that you have called us to this place at this time, whether you have called us here in the sanctuary or called us to be part of the community online, we are here because of you. God, we know that we don't have to ask you to be in this place because wherever we are, you are always there, just waiting, watching, hoping that we turn to you. So God, we ask that you help prepare us for this time with you. Remove the distractions. Calm our hearts, slow down our minds, so that during this time, through word, through music, through the smiles on one another's face, we see and experience the risen Christ, and we leave today transformed. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, race, income, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Remind you to uh, be thinking of the people of East Palestine, Ohio, and the environmental disaster that is unfolding there. Um, and I also want to lift up Michigan State University and all of those connected um, to that horrible shooting. Um, some of the people in that community also lived through a shooting when they were children, and then again as college students. So I uh, can imagine the trauma that they are feeling and uh, the re-traumatization that they are feeling as well. Uh, there will be a pause for silent prayers and then we will come together and say the Lord's Prayer. So let us sing our prayers to God. And so we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Well, every Sunday before Lent begins, we hear the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. It is Transfiguration Sunday. It's a story that is told in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three with very similar accounts. I will be reading from Matthew 17, 1 through 9, because this is a reading from the Gospel. And as Emily says, and I love the way you say this, Emily, it's as if Jesus is standing in our presence as we hear this from the Gospel. So I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. And do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. God, at this time, especially, I ask that you help me to step back. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word, not mine, it is heard. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word that lands in our heart, so that it is your word that comes back to us throughout the week, so that it is your word that causes us to ponder and leads us to transformation. God, we ask that you open our hearts and you open our ears so that we may receive your message. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, rarely in the Gospels do we get such a clear timestamp of when something occurred as we do in this passage. Both Matthew and Mark say six days later. The Gospel of Luke says eight days later, small difference. But all three of them are linking them to a passage of something that had previously happened. So if we go back to Matthew 16, 13, we see that Jesus and his disciples, he asked them, who do people say that I am? You know that story, the people, the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, other prophets. But then Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? 
And Peter responds with, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. It's the first time that that had been said. No one had told Peter that. But in his heart, in his bones, at the deepest level of himself, Peter senses that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And then Jesus says, but don't tell anyone, not yet. There's still much work that needs to be done. And then immediately after that, Jesus tells them, it's the first time he tells them the prediction of his death. He tells them that he must go to Jerusalem and there he will be tortured and killed and crucified. There is where he will die, but after three days he will rise. And Peter rebukes him and says, no, Jesus, we're not going to let that happen. And then Jesus very sternly rebukes Peter, saying, Peter, you're a stumbling block. You have your eyes set on human things, not divine things. And then Jesus tells them, things are going to get really hard. And if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and let's go. But he tells them it's not going to be easy. You have to be willing to lay down your life to put aside your comforts and follow me. That's the last the writer told us before we hear today's passage, before we learn that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John on a little day trip up a mountain to get away from things. Peter, James, and John were Jesus' inner circle. They were the ones that he counted on and he leaned on. And I can imagine that Jesus is taking them to the top of the mountain to give them a pep talk. Because what he had told them before was hard. He wanted to make sure they were with him. He wanted to give them that last chance to ask him some questions, to talk it over, if you will. He knew that what he had told them was not only frightening, but it was confusing. And my guess is, Peter was still a little unsettled about the way that Jesus had rebuked him and come down so hard on him. So off they go to the top of the mountain. It's retreat time. It's a team building exercise. So what exactly happened on that mountaintop? We really don't know, but something happened that made Peter, James, and John see Jesus in a totally different way. They saw him no longer as a prophet or some guy who could do miracles on that mountaintop they were able to see the glory of God coming through Jesus. Peter was able to see confirmation of his confession of who Jesus is. Now, I would like for you to imagine a time <clears throat> when you have looked at someone and you said to them, you're just beaming. Or you say to them, there's just a glow about you. That time when you see someone and there's something different within them that just radiates for all to see. It's not a new haircut. It's not new clothes. It's something internal. And then multiply that by about a bazillion. Because that's what Peter, James, and John saw when they sensed the presence. They sensed the presence of, <clears throat> of God and they also sensed the presence of <clears throat> Moses and Elijah with them on that mountaintop. And then Peter, and a 
act of generous hospitality says, wow, it is so good for us to be here. I'm going to build a tent for each of you. But while Peter was still talking, he didn't even get finished. He was interrupted. This bright, dazzling cloud surrounds them and interrupts Peter saying, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Where did we hear that before? Baptism, just a few weeks ago, we heard that. But this time, God adds to it. This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Hmm. Jesus had recently told them about his death, and they didn't want to listen. You see, they wanted to do the la, 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 I can't hear you routine. But God says, no, listen to him. And to be perfectly honest, I would have done the very same thing that Peter, James, and John did. Overcome with fear, they fell to their knees. Friends, I don't care how spiritually mature we are, for most of us, at that moment, fear would have been our first reaction. Fear when we are being called to do things that are difficult, to put our wants and desires <clears throat> aside in order to love as God loves, to love as God calls us to love. When we hear that God, what God asks from us is so countercultural to what society says is who we should be, fear when we hear that we should love and pray for those we despise. Yes, friends, when we hear God clearly tell us, listen to Jesus, it can knock us to our knees. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't leave us in that <clears throat> position of fear, that fear that shakes us to the very core. No, his compassion comes shining through. He goes to Peter and James and John as he comes to us and he touches us. He reaches out his hand and he says, get up and do not be afraid. Get up. Don't be afraid. Yes, scary times are ahead of you, but get up and don't be afraid because I'm walking with you. You see, my friends, Peter, James, and John saw the glory of God in Jesus while they were on that mountain. And in that moment, they knew that when Jesus was with them, God was with them. Last week in our Tuesday book study group, our discussion turned to our favorite Bible verse that brings us comfort. And one of our members quoted the very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. My friends, that's the promise that we are given. Jesus doesn't send us down the mountain all by ourselves. No, he says, get up and don't be afraid. I'm going back down there with you. And even though I will not always be with you in body, I will always be with you. Friends, that's the promise. That's the comfort that we are given 
when we face difficult times, when we are able to see Jesus in the light of compassion and love and forgiveness, when we're able to see Jesus, the steady hand that gets us through those difficult situations, and we know that we're not facing them alone, then we can get up and not be afraid. Can you think about a time when you had to go through a difficult situation you were trying to be brave and you were trying to do it on your own and then a friend reaches out and says I'll go with you maybe you have to go to a doctor's appointment and get what could be difficult test results maybe you're sitting at the bedside of someone that you love who is gravely ill Maybe you're going to your first AA meeting. Or maybe you're clearing out the home of an elderly parent or friend who is getting ready to move into assisted living. And that friend shows up and goes with you. Several years ago, I made a trip to go see my mother in Florida. Many of you know that my relationship with my mother is strained and I had not seen her in many, many years and I didn't want to go. And a friend that I was teaching with at the time, she said, you going to Florida? I said, yeah, but I don't want to. She said, I'll go with you. She said, it'll be fun. We can get a hotel on the beach and we can go play. You can go off and see your mom. I'll read a book and then you can come back. And I went, you'd do that? She went, yeah, that's a hard time for you. Of, of course I'll go to Florida. Yeah. But friends, that's one of the ways that Jesus shows up in our life. You see, Jesus is made visible through a friend that walks a journey with us. Or sometimes it's just that undeniable feeling that the presence of God is with us and that we know that we're not alone. It's if we, are, we, it's a, it's a, if we can just feel ourselves reach out and literally grab Jesus' hand. And sometimes it shows up when you least expect it through the knowing smile of a stranger a stranger who shines God's love on you just when you need it the most. You see, like Peter, James, and John, it would have been so much easier to stay on that mountaintop. We all need those times when we can just leave the cares of the world behind and bask in God's love, and then we, have, then we hear God say, listen to him. And we hear the voice of Jesus say, get up and don't be afraid. Get up, it's time to face the real world again. But don't be afraid, I've got you. And so friends, I encourage you to find those mountaintops. Sometimes we put them off looking for them because we think we're too busy. But find those times when you feel so connected with God's spirit that you know God's presence is with me. It might be moments when you notice God's beauty in a sunrise or a sunset, or a time when you're working in your garden, or when you're cradling a child in your arms, or when you're looking at the water of a calm lake or hearing the gentle rain. Someone told me earlier this week, I always feel so good when I leave church. Yes. Church can sometimes be that mountain retreat for us when we leave the cares of the world behind and we gather as a community to support and to encourage one another. 
as we praise and give thanks to God. So my friends, what are the times in your life where you can grab some mountain time, time with Jesus? <clears throat> Find those times, cherish those times, because we live in such a rapidly changing world. And sometimes it's downright scary. A world that is changing so quickly that we can't keep up. And to be honest with you, I don't think we are wired to keep up with all that we are bombarded with. Think about it. There was a time in our civilization when the only news that you had to deal with was that of your immediate community. Occasionally, a stranger would come into the community and they would tell you what was going on in their part of the world, but we didn't have to worry about it because that was happening <clears throat> far away. And then we had newspapers that let us, knew, let us know what was going on. And then radio and television. But friends, remember, we used to only watch the news in the morning and at night. And now we are bombarded with it 24-7, with news not just from our community, but news from all around the world, and it is overwhelming. No wonder we crave those Calgon take-me-away moments. I came across a quote a few weeks ago <clears throat> from Vandana Shiva that has made me understand the tension that so many of us are feeling. She says, <clears throat> when she's talking about transformation of, of people through civilization, she said, we've moved from wisdom to knowledge, and now we're moving from knowledge to information. And that information is so partial that we're creating incomplete human beings. Wednesday, we begin the journey of Lent, a time when we turn inward and reflect on those things that keep us from being complete human beings. In some ways, that's what our Lenten journey is. 40 days of introspection, 40 days spent in intentional time with God, identifying and removing the barriers that keep us from that abundant life that Emily talked about last week. But the promise we have is that Jesus will be with us as we go through those 40 days <clears throat> to sit with us during the hard times. Jesus will be with us to listen when we want to talk, to whisper in your ear, you are my beloved and I love you dearly. Jesus will be with us during those 40 days to shower us with forgiveness when we finally let go of that guilt that we've been holding on to for so many years. See, my friends, it's a time when we come down from the mountaintop so that we can recapture that wholeness in which we were created, a time when we intentionally peel back all the layers that we have allowed society to pile on us as we can, as we uncover that beloved me, that me that God created out of dust. So friends, I invite you to take God's word in today's scripture to heart. 
This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And what did Jesus say as he reached out and touched them? Get up. Don't be afraid. Friends, it is the journey to the cross that lies ahead of us in these next 40 days. So often, as I said earlier today, we want to skip the the difficult times and just jump straight to Easter. But first, we travel to Jerusalem. But we don't travel alone. We're going to travel as a group. We're going to have our supportive community of faith holding us up and encouraging us along the way. And we'll go as individuals, uncovering ourselves as we go. But even then, we don't go alone. Jesus takes our hand and journeys with us. My friends, may you feel his loving touch and hear him whisper in your ear, get up, I love you, don't be afraid. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, mother to us all. Amen. (laughs) My friends, just a reminder, our Ash Wednesday service will be 6.30 Wednesday night. Our first Sunday in Lent is next week. My friends, up on that mountaintop, we saw the glory of God shining through Christ. That light goes with you. It goes with us from this place. So take that shining light with you. And when the moments get scary, hear Jesus say, you got this. Don't be afraid. Get up and go. Because my friends, that's what we are called to. Go in peace and go in love. Amen.